Let's pray together. Oh God, what a Creator You are. All things bright and beautiful. In the sea, up in the air, down here on the land. We're all Your creatures. All of us. Holy Father, in this moment now in the Word, please teach us how to respond to the creatures You are sending us to. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to tell me what's wrong with this picture. Just let me know where it goes off. Now, underneath this uh, beautiful cloth is an aquarium. I don't know if you can see my fish right here. This is a Siamese fighting fish. Can you see him? He's actually, uh, we keep him here in the office. I'll try to get him around. Uh, somebody dropped by the church about four weeks ago. In fact, I want to give uh, credit to where credit is due. We had a visitor from uh, Frederick, Maryland. Her name, Ponama Ninala. And she has, a fi- she has a ministry called Fish in a Vase Ministry, where she, she sells these. And so here is my uh, executive uh, assistant, Sherry, has named it Henry. So here's Henry in an aquarium. Can you see it? You can't see... Oh, yeah, you can see Henry there. Never put your finger in. He's a, he's a, did I say a fighting Siamese fish? Yeah. But what's wrong with this picture? I mean, I see that fish, I say, you know, every time I see a fish, I've got to do something about that. I've got to do something about that. Man, it just makes me... I don't care what is going on in life. I just... You know, you see a fish. How could you just let a fish be there? You know what I mean? So, i got my uh, little tackle box because I do fish. I haven't fished in a long time, and let me just see. I think I, I think this is doable, actually. Um, oh, I'm gonna get that old baby. That baby is not gonna live for long. All right, Henry, are you ready, Henry? Yeah, how do you cast into so small a hole? I don't know. You just, I guess you take it back like this. Excuse me, Steve. <laughs> no. I try to do this right without casting. All right, I'm going to get this fish because I love to fish. Anytime I see a fish like this, it's a crazy thing. I don't want to stop, does it? Yeah, brother. See if I can do it right when it comes over. Oh, man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, what is wrong with this picture, huh? Watch this, Henry. Hey, I feel like at the youth fair at some uh, some contest to get the pink bear. I give up. What's the matter with this fish? Ladies and gentlemen, if I walked into your house with this uh, paraphernalia and this fishing pole and saw that aquarium and whipped it out and tried to fish for that fish, I mean, what are you going to say to me? What are you going to say to me? Are you crazy? What's the, what's the matter for you? You lost it all. Don't you understand? This fish has already been caught. You don't catch this fish. It's been caught. You want to catch fish? You got to go out to where the fish are. You don't hang around where the caught fish are. You go out to where they are. And you get them. Can't believe it. Trying to fish in an aquarium. And you know what? I suppose if, if that were your response... I suppose, I better put this down. If that were your response, 
you know what? If that were your response, I suppose you would be right. I mean, come on. Which, which makes me wonder, why is it then that we have spent so much of our time, you and me I'm talking about now, why is it then we have spent so much of our time trying to fish in the aquarium? We don't know how to fish. You want to know how to really fish? Open your Bible to the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 5. Take a look at this, will you? I mean, come on, this is crazy. Get up, take this get up and go off. The Gospel of St. Luke chapter 5. want to take a story, one of my favorite stories, by the way. And ah, this is a, come on, you're about to read a how-to manual. This is a how-to, how to really fish. Take a look at this, please. As we continue our, our uh, new season series from the Gospel of St. Luke about my father's business. Go to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to be in the New International Version, with your permission. NIV, Luke chapter 5. Any translation you brought along, that's fine with me. Just glad you got your Bible. In fact, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's one right in front of you, the New King James Version. Let's take a look. My, one of my favorite, favorite stories. Luke chapter 5, let's pick it up right at the top of the chapter, verse 1. One day, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that would be the Sea of Galilee, all right? One day as he was standing by the Sea of Galilee with the people crowding around him and listening to the Word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down. I tell you what, I wish one of the artists on our campus could capture this moment in oil. You've got, the, you've got the master of the universe who has to borrow a fishing skiff. He pushes out a few yards from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So you got the picture. There is Jesus bobbing on this little bouncing skiff as the gentle waters of the placid Galilee sweep up onto the rocky shore. Now, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Hey, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon, of course, you know that's Peter. And Simon hears this. And you know what Simon is thinking? This city slicker from Nazareth has never lived around. I can't believe it. Simon hears it and he answers. He says, Master, we have worked hard all night. And by the way, the Greek word he uses for master here is the head, is the very word that's used of Peter, who's kind of the boss of this fishing crew. So he turns to Jesus. He says, okay, boss. I want to tell you something, boss. We have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Why don't you hit the pause button right there in your VCR for a moment? Because you say so. And that's pretty that's pretty heavy what, what Peter's doing here. It may be that some of you right now are wrestling, debating in your mind, in your conscience, over something that you believe is Jesus' will for your life. You know it. It seems illogical. It just, it just doesn't seem to be the right strategy. And you are going back and forth. Shall I? Shall I not? It doesn't even seem rational. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? Maybe we can take a clue from the big fisherman. Maybe there are moments in life when it even 
When, when even though it does not seem the most logical response, the one Christ commands, that we, that we follow, that we do it anyway. C.S. Lewis, in his wonderful book, uh, God in the Dock, describes how in faith's intellectual journey, there are critical times when we have to accept divine revelation, when we, even though we cannot understand it, even though we may find that revelation objectionable. Take a look. We'll put these words on the screen. This is C.S. Lewis writing. This scrupulous care to preserve the Christian message as something distinct from one's own ideas has one very good effect. Okay, you don't understand it, but you're going to preserve it. Has one very good effect upon the Christian believer himself. It forces him, it forces her again and again to face up to those elements in original Christianity. And I'm going to add, you know, Adventism, original Adventism, which he personally finds obscure or repulsive. Now get this, a liberal Christianity which considers itself free to alter the faith whenever the faith looks perplexing or repellent must be completely stagnant. Progress is made only into a resisting material. Just because we can't get our third millennial minds around a piece of ancient revelation doesn't mean we just write it off and say, ah, it, it doesn't fit. We can't, we'll, we'll throw that one out. We don't need that teaching anymore in our community of faith. Rubbish, Lewis says. Progress is made when it's resisted. Because you say so. That's what Peter says. All right. Kind of winking to himself. All right, because you say so. And so what happens? Verse 6. And when they had done so, so the boat pushes out. When they had done so, they caught so large a number of fish that their nets began to break. So that they signal. They're, they're, they're far enough from shore. So they're, they're frantically. They, they can't call because nobody can hear. So they're waving. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and took both boats and both boats became so full, they began to sink. I mean, you've got one boat that's tilting over, the second comes, and the fish are sinking, both boats. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. <laughs> he said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful, sinful man. By the way, that's what happens. When the human senses the presence of the divine. I mean, that's, that's what's happening to Isaiah. He steps into the chapel that day. It's a required chapel. He had to be there. He's going through the motions. When the chapel explodes with the very presence of God, and then he sees God in all His majesty on the throne, and Isaiah is utterly overwhelmed, just like Peter now. He's just overwhelmed by a sense of his own unworthiness and sinfulness. And in the, and in the uh, NIV, Isaiah cries out, Woe is me, for I am ruined. I, I had two students come in this week from here at Andrews. They're doing a class project. They had to do an interview. Their assignment, their assignment should worship be required at Andrews University. My response to them was, hey, look, 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 come on. Worship cannot be commanded. Impossible. You can't. I mean, worship is a spontaneous, free, free response. 
Worship cannot be commanded, but it may be required as essential to the life of the community of faith. You have worship required by God Himself in the community of Israel over and over and over again. Why? Because they are, worship provides a programmed opportunity for a vision of God to break through. And so you come. You come to dorm worships, you come to chapel. And by the way, I need to just, just say a word to the faculty who are here. You know, if worship is so important for the students of Andrews University to participate in, what would possibly make it unimportant for you as a faculty member to also attend and participate in? It doesn't make sense at all. You know, that's why the kids are having this debate. I've been here for a few years. It was just every cycle. We come around and we have the debate again. Because we have to be here, but they don't. Programmed opportunities... Those serendipitous moments when the veils before our eyes are swept away. I want to tell you something. We had this last week, the week before this. You know, some of the most powerful preaching you will hear anywhere in, in, in our community of faith, in the preaching of Walter Pearson, Jr. I mean, it was just anointed. I, I came every morning just for my own soul to be fed. If it's important for the young adults, it's got to be important for the administration. And for the faculty, please. Those serendipitous moments when the veil, and then we see him. Didn't plan to. I even had my textbook there, and boom, there he is. By the way, Desire of Ages adds a, a, a beautiful little detail, touch here. And I want to put the words of Desire of Ages on the screen. Listen to this. Speaking of this moment when Peter cries out, get away from me. Humanity with its weakness and sin was brought in contrast with the perfection of divinity, and Peter felt altogether deficient and unholy. Thus it has been with all who have been granted a view of God's greatness and majesty. Peter exclaimed, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Now, I love this. Look. Yet he clung to the feet of Jesus, feeling that he could not be parted from Him. There is Peter, knee-deep in that flopping, sicky, slimy mass of silvery fish. And he's crying out to Jesus, Get away from me, but he's hanging on for dear life. I won't let you go. I'm not going to let you go. Wow. Wow. Verse 9, for he and his companions, all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then, continuing on in verse 9, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and followed him. May I ask you an Kind of an embarrassing question. Do you follow Jesus? Hmm? Then why is it that we aren't fishing for people? I don't know, maybe we spend our lives hanging around the aquarium simply because we, we don't know how. Maybe we need the complete idiot's guide to fishing. You've seen those books manuals, how-to. There's really one simple instruction in this story, and I wish you'd take your study guide out, and let's, let's just cut to the chase on this. Your study guide's found in your uh, worship bulletin. By the way, if you came in and uh, you didn't get a study guide, thank you, ushers, for... Just, just hold your hand. I want everybody to get a study guide. We'll move through this quickly. Those of you watching on television right now, if you go to our website, www, put it right there on the screen for you, www. 
spmchurch.org. This study guide is there. So you, you can actually download the study guide and you can, at this very moment, uh, join us. So let's take a look at this teaching. There's really only one simple teaching about, uh, in this how-to manual on fishing. Luke 5, 1 through 11. Fill it in, will you please? The complete idiot's guide to fishing. It's just a simple, simple how-to to fishing. And what is that? The simple instruction is right there in verse 4. Drop down, go back up to verse 4 in Luke 5. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Would you fill that word in, please? Put out into the deep. That's it. Put out into the deep water and let down, let down your nets. You can't catch anything on the shore. The shores are where aquariums are. You can't catch a thing. You've got to go out, 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 out. Oh, go way out into deep waters. Why? Write this down, please. Because that's where the fish, write in the word fish, that's where the fish are. They're way out there. They're in the deep. God is calling this university congregation and campus into the deep waters, away from our comfortable shoreline. In fact, about 12 miles offshore to a city called, would you write it in please, a city called Benton Harbor. You can just put B-H. Benton Harbor. I realize, ladies and gentlemen, we are not very comfortable with a metaphor that doesn't seem to be, you know, it doesn't seem to be politically correct or very polite. Nevertheless, the fact of the matter is Jesus has chosen to describe lost people as fish. Just like the Bible describes all of us as wandering, mindless sheep. In an agrarian culture, the metaphor works. So, I mean, maybe he would have chosen another metaphor, but let's just stick with the one Jesus did choose. With this caveat, would you write this in your study guide as well? With this caveat, we are all fish, right in the word all, we are all fish that Jesus the great fisherman has been fishing for. In fact, did you notice this? Luke 5 is first and foremost a... Boy, this is contagious. Luke 5 is first and foremost a portrait of Jesus doing His own fishing. And in fact, what's happening in Luke 5? That's what's going on with Simon. You might want to write it in. Jesus was fishing for Peter. He was fishing for his soul. He was fishing for his allegiance. Ditto for Andrew. We got a fisherman coming along here. He's saying, come on, let's get on to the fishing. Ditto for Andrew, James, and John. What's happening in Luke 5 is Jesus is trying to throw his net over them first. And when he catches them, he knows if he can net them, they in turn, they in turn can be trained and equipped to net other fish. So. Don't be afraid. Would you write this in, please? From now on. From now on, you will catch people. Write in the word people. I mean, how are you going to do it? Well, you do it like you fish for fish. You put out into the deep water. Go way out beyond your comfort zones. Get out to where the fish are. Out there in the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Which, incidentally, is why God is so big on cities. Would you write that in? He's so big. Man, big on cities. Because cities are a sea of fish. Karen and I had the joy, the privilege, really, this last uh, weekend of being in, in New York City, preaching in Brooklyn, in the heart of Brooklyn, at a, at a congregation called the Christian Fellowship Seventh-day Adventist Church, a vibrant African-American congregation in the very middle of Brooklyn. 
I mean, you take a look at New York. Do you understand that one out of every 300 people on earth lives within 50 miles of the Statue of Liberty? One out of 300. Have mercy. You know how many people live within the blocks of Pipestone Avenue and Benton Harbor? Not as many. <laughs> Did you think I had a number for you? Not as many. But I want to tell you something. They are just as needy. Just as needy of Jesus' caring, compassionate touch and ministry. I don't want to be misunderstood here, but could it be that God is more passionate about the sea than the aquarium? Write it down, because what do you have in the aquarium? What you have in the aquarium are the saved. Write in the word saved. What do you have out, what do you have out in the sea? The seas are filled with the lost. Jesus said, look, come on, come on, come on. It isn't the found who need me. It's the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You don't fish in an aquarium. Would you write that in, please? Where all the fish are already found. You shove it. You shove off from the shoreline. You put out into... Write it down, please. You put out into the deep. Now, it's true, ladies and gentlemen. You're absolutely right, some of you. Yep. Your, your, your objection is... Is acceptable. You could drown out there if you're not careful. Because let's face it, it can be dangerous out on the deep. I mean, they can broil up some mean and threatening storms that can sink that little skiff of yours. Whereas, you know, I mean, raging waters out there so far away from this placid, limp, sterile, oxygenated water of an aquarium. You know, the only, you know the, only, the only storms that get built into an aquarium are tempests in a teapot. It's just over some minor little irritation. And then that becomes the whole focus of the life of people who live in an aquarium. But if you go out on the high sea, you go out on the high sea. I mean, that's the price you pay for real fishing. Now, it's true. Come on, I got the objection. Out there, in fact, be, write this down, please. Be warned. A boatload of deep water fish can be messy, slimy, and write in the word stinky. That's the absolute truth. Deep water fish, look out. Because you see, the, the fish you catch out there in the deep may not be the, like the fish we have here in the aquarium. What kind of fish do we have in the aquarium? You know the kind of fish we have in the aquarium? We got clean fish, Leviticus 11 fish. <laughs> They have fins and scales. They are filleted, fr fried, and frozen. You and I, what are we, little shore-hugging minnows? But if you take Jesus' admonition seriously, write this in, please, and you throw your net out into the deep waters, you're going to end up with fish that are, write this word in, please, are unclean. Yep, that's what you're going to end up with. You're going to end up with unclean fish because when you're out, find a Nemo. When you're out, find a Nemo. You may net more than a clownfish. You may end up with a real unclean fish. The kind of fish, by the way, that could really spoil a nice septic aquarium like this kind of fish that are unclean and unkept. In fact, they have alcohol on the breath, right in the word alcohol, or in the back seat of the car. They drink like fishes. You'll smell tobacco. Psh, tobacco. 
yellow fingers. You go out into the deep and you throw the net. You know what? You're going to end up with fish. Write it in with sexual. Oh my. Sexual dysfunctions and deviancies and even transmittable diseases. Whoa, please. Coming in here. Unclean and unsuccessful fish on their third or fourth marriage. Right in the word marriage. Kind of like the fish Jesus was catching that day by the well in Samaria. Now let's see, lady. You've had five husbands, and if my memory is correct, the one you're sleeping with now is not even your husband. But he caught her anyway. Which, incidentally, gives the rest of us sinners some hope. Stinky, messy fish that have failed in love and life just like her. We all are. But oh no, there's some people who want to guard the aquarium. <laughs> we haven't been called to be fishers of men, they say. We have been assigned to be keepers of the aquarium. As my friend Don Jacobson would put it. Isn't that something? Yeah, of course it's messy out there. It stinks out there. Because they're wild fish. Which is where you go, by the way, when you want to catch fish. Oh my, oh boy, i got to warn you, some of these fish. Woo. Some of these fish, write this down, you throw your net in deep waters and you're going, to carry, you're going to catch fish that wear their lures like glittering jewelry. And you're going to say, oh brother, just like a Christmas tree, get out of here. What's the problem? You want to do deep sea fishing? You're going to catch deep sea fish. Well, isn't that something? And the lures will be all over them. Well, don't you worry about that, Pastor. Nope. I'll tell you what, you're going to have some fish with you're going to have some fish with hooks in their nose and rings in their mouths. To reverse it. But Pastor, you don't have to worry about that. Nope, nope, nope. As soon as we get them in here, we're going to skin them and scale them and clean them up just like us. Which, of course, is what I'm afraid of. You say, oh, no, 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 Pastor, I want to tell you something. I'll tell you what, better yet, if we don't like them, we'll toss them out. Which is what I'm even more afraid of. Jesus told a story once upon a time about a fishing net. It's a great parable, by the way. And when, we, when, when you read this parable, will you please notice who it is that does the sorting of the fish? Was it the board of elders? Was it the church board? Who is it? Let's find out. The Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 13. This is Jesus' parable. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. Yuck! And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore, and then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. See, that's what the church is supposed to do. Throw the bad away. You missed the ending to the parable. There's one more line. Who are the fishermen? This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ladies and gentlemen, be clear. The skinning and scaling, filleting and frying, it all happens at the end and is done by celestial visitants who pretty much know what they are doing. So write this in your study guide, please. Let's let the angels do the sorting and we will do the fishing. That's our mission. 
Jesus is unequivocally clear. Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And don't be afraid, for I will make you fishers of people, not keepers of the aquarium. I will make you that. You know why? You know why Jesus says that? Simple. Here we go. Moving to the wrap. Write it down. Because fish are our Father's business anyway. Fish are our Father's business. Yep. Which means when you have God, would you write this in? When you have God for your Father, you've got fishing for your future. It's guaranteed if He's your Father. No matter what your profession is or is going to be, or what your education is or was or isn't, if you've got God for your Father... You've got fishing for your future. Why? Well, you can't, be, you can't be about our Father's business without fishing because fish are our Father's business. Clean fish, unclean fish. In the aquarium fish, out on the high seas fish. Fish are our Father's business. And if we at Andrews and Pioneer are going to be like Jesus and be about our Father's business, then fish are our business too. In closing, I'd like to think about a friend of mine who's a student here at Andrews University. His name is Bo. You know Bo? Sure you do. Bo has a passion for Jesus and lost people. Which is why every single Sabbath afternoon, rain or shine, hail, snow, frigid, it doesn't matter. You will find Bo on the streets of Benton Harbor fishing for lost people for Jesus. That's Bo. You know, I don't know what Bo's major is. It doesn't matter to me. But Bo's life is proof to me that Jesus' promise is true. I, I will make you Fish for people. I do it. Doesn't matter to me about personal smarts or academic degrees. Doesn't matter to me about how much or how little education you have. I will make you, I promise you, I will make you a fisher of people. The great fisherman of Calvary promised Bo and you and me. And Bo knows. Bo shows. And Jesus shows through bow. I'm thinking pretty much all of the time. I'd like to be like bow. How can I be like bow? I want to end with this quotation from Desire of Ages, the very chapter that discusses this Luke 5 episode. I put it in your study guide because I want you to keep it. This is Desire of Ages. Listen to this. There is no limit to the usefulness of one who, by putting self aside, makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon his heart. And he lives a life wholly consecrated to God. Get this. Listen. Same chapter. Men of the highest education in the arts and sciences have learned precious lessons from Christians in humble life who were designated by the world to unlearn it. But these obscure disciples, I love this, had obtained an education in the highest of all schools. Apparently, there's a school higher than Andrews University. 
they had sat at the feet of Him who spoke as never a man spake. You want to be about your father's business like Bo? Then you ask Jesus to teach you just like Bo. For there really is no limit to the usefulness of a fisherman who is taught how to fish by Jesus. No limit. No limit at all. So I want to give you an invitation as we close. And I'm very serious about this invitation. And I don't want you to stand because somebody beside you is standing. I want to give you an invitation. I went over this last night late. I just went over and over these words. I will make you. I'm taking that Jesus is promising to do the making if we will ask Him. And so here's the invitation. Would you be willing to ask Jesus right now to fulfill that promise and make you, make you into a fisher for people? Say, man, I've never, I, I never taken a class. I, I don't know how. Don't worry. Would you be willing to ask Him to make you Make you a fisher for people. If you would like to pray that prayer, Jesus, make me into a fisher of people. I wish you would pray the prayer, send it heavenward anyway, by standing to your feet. And just by standing, you're saying, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. I want to tell you something. I should have warned you, this is a dangerous prayer to pray. Because... Jesus will do whatever it takes to give you a heart that has a passion for lost people. He's also promised to do it. Oh, Jesus, we, we are asking that that promise of Yours please come true for us. That's why we stood. Oh, we've been hanging around this aquarium so long we don't even know how to do it, Lord. But would You teach us? Did you mean that? I will make you fish for people. I'll teach you. I'll train you. Oh, Christ, we believe that promise. And so we stand. And on behalf of us all, Lord, I'd like to say, do whatever it takes in our lives, in our journeys. Give us a heart for fishing, for lost people. We pray in Your name. Amen.